1: You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hey
2: everyone, welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast. Per usual, it is Drew here with Josh and Connor talking all things MLS offseason is players move around the league and we have some Americans making their way to new clubs in Europe so it's exciting time to be in MLS and excited to sit down for another episode talking about it with you guys but before we get into another episode talking about Americans moving all over the place crazy MLS offseason news Um, it's been a week since we've talked last so Connor how is how's your week been for you
1: interesting uh It's been challenging, to say the least, as classes continue to ramp up and assignments start to become due. Uh, I don't know about you, Drew, but all of my classes are semestered. So the first two weeks are pretty easy as they sort of get everyone back into the flow of things. And then around week three, week four, that's when they start to hit you. Um, So I got an assignment next week due on Monday. I got a midterm on next Thursday. And then, for some reason, Reading Week, because they're doing four weeks on and then eight weeks on, which I'm not a fan of, but I've been doing better now that the Leafs are playing well. Uh, Beating Drew's Vancouver Canucks right now, I think like 7-3. Jason Spedza has a hat trick. Austin Matthews has scored two. Uh, So, things are going well in that department, Uh, and the Raptors... Well, Fred VanVleet's good. Uh, He put up a Franchise record, seven, 54 points, not 70, 54 points, uh, and actually an NBA record for an undrafted player, uh, putting up the 54 points. So, big future in him, and today, the Raptors re-signed their general manager, Bobby Webster, to a multi-year extension, is all we found out. Uh, but sports-wise, going good, school, Okay. Uh, mentally is continuing to ramp downwards as we continue to get into the semester and the world continues to crumble around us. But Drew and Josh, hopefully you two are doing better than MLS negotiations have been going for the past week.
2: Yeah, I've been hanging in there. Um, unlike Connor's sports things, I'm currently watching my sports teams get smothered to pieces right now. The Hawks are getting killed. The Canucks are getting killed. Um, I'm excited for baseball. That's exciting. Hopefully the Braves will make another run, but that's that's months. I guess months away. Um, school's starting to rev up. Uh, working on, I'm working on a fun story about the lack of women coaches in the SEC. So that's exciting story. Uh, been working on that in school. Um, how else has life been treating me? Super Bowl Sunday. Um, that's always a fun time. I don't know how Super Bowl parties are going to be this year, given everything. So hopefully people will be smart. About gathering and watching the Chiefs beat the Bucks thirty-four to thirty-one, um, but besides that, I've enjoyed. It's been a good week. Uh, it's been crazy following MLS news, but nonetheless, it's been good. Excited to talk MLS with you guys again, Josh. How has your week been? Have you been teaching anymore? How's how's that going?
3: Yeah, teaching has has stayed consistent. Uh, you know, someone put in the dock a couple of goals scored and i was like oh I, I missed those and i realized i was teaching on saturday so i missed a missed a decent amount of of some of my normal soccer watching but overall it was a pretty good week not much of a change for me personally last week i mentioned i've been playing a lot of chess still playing a lot of chess last week i mentioned i was terrible still terrible <laughs> so got that going for me and uh yeah drew mentioned the hawks i i originally i planned on watching the game tonight when i got home from work and before you know we started recording and then i saw that trey young was out and we're playing the league leaders utah jazz so i was like nah screw that i'm gonna go play some video games no way we stand a chance and as i say that right now the score is currently 93 to 74 utah is winning by almost 20 points so it's cool it's cool you know just take the l move on i guess it's the second of a back-to-back too so I guess that's all right.
1: Yeah, I actually I do want to say something. Uh something monumental happened in my week. I went outdoors for the first time since Christmas Eve on Tuesday for a dentist appointment. So I left my house. I breathed fresh air. Uh and I guess you guys do that a lot. More. Hold on a
3: second. Hold on a second. You mean literally have not been outside of your house since Christmas Eve or like you like, you yes, don't get out literally. at all. You're not getting out no. for like walks or fresh air or come on, man. You got to get outside, dude. Even I know you can't like go anywhere, but you live in a neighborhood, right? Like on a street. I do. Take yeah. a walk. You got to you got to get out more. Get some of that vitamin you do D. Realize
1: I, you do realize I live in Canada, yeah. right? And, and, and you, it's the middle
3: of winter. You're, you're telling me you haven't somewhat adapted to the cold weather.
1: That's the thing is the way that you adapt to cold weather is you have to be outside every other day or every day to get acclimatized to there it. There you go. I haven't been outside. That's what I'm saying. Get outside every day. Since Christmas Eve. I know. This is
2: bad. You got to break through the initial, the pain. You got to break through it. It's like working out. Like it sucks when you first start, but eventually it'll get there.
1: Or I just continue to hide inside oh, no, and I man. don't ever no, get cold no. and I can continue wearing t You're going to
2: get cold eventually. You live in Toronto.
1: No, that's you see, that's what heating's, for, (laughs) you know, that novel idea of house heating. Um, But yeah, do you wait? Are you, Drew, are you on camp? Like, are you still doing in-person classes and stuff?
2: I have to go on campus Tuesdays. So I get I, I got lucky this here's a little look at my week. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I have one class that's on Zoom. I click the link and then like I turn my camera off and then I go back to bed. Um, and then Tuesday, Thursdays, (laughs) I do the same thing, but then I have to get up and on Tuesdays I have to go to campus. So I ride a bus, which is very fun during a pandemic. And then I go to campus for two classes and then, yeah, I do a social part of my, one of my classes is doing social media for a local high school baseball team. So I had to go to high school baseball practice today. So every now and then
1: I got to do that. They're playing baseball on February 4th.
2: Season starts in like two weeks.
1: They play baseball in February?
2: Yeah, some colleges started today. North Georgia, a school pretty local to me, and Josh played their first game this season today.
1: That's just a foreign concept to me. I That doesn't compute in my head. Like, we have snow on the ground. How are you guys playing baseball?
2: We don't have snow on the ground. That's how we play baseball in
3: February.
1: <laughs> valid, valid argument. It
3: was actually a very mild 52 degrees today, which in celsius please uh i don't know i don't know 32 (laughs) is freezing for us so it's 18 fahrenheit degrees above so whatever but it it was a nice day today is my point surprisingly
1: you see today was odd because it was above freezing uh i think i should have a pretty mild couple days it's like hovering around zero to three degrees something like that uh but i don't know how i'm gonna know that because CTV got rid of their weatherman which we're not going to get into that entire discussion but uh, and you don't go outside anyway so it doesn't matter (laughs) uh, yes i that too Uh, but I'm going to miss Christian Jack let's talk soccer speaking of Christian Jack who is no longer with TSN Um, with North Americans abroad because I watched no games apart from Jonathan David scoring a goal and getting a hockey assist which I'm going to call it that uh, for Lille in their match against Bordeaux I believe it was Um, Tim Wea scored as well. He was the beneficiary of the set. I guess the pass after Jonathan David's pass, which Jonathan David did most of the work. Then the guy in doing the run did the rest of the work. And then David just sort of tapped it. Uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. Wait, just sort of tapped it. Um, So I guess good to see both North Americans get on the score sheet.
3: Absolutely. I mean, Good, good for them. I've I you know, I don't. I'm not like giving up on him yet. He's only twenty, but I just, you know, there's just like nothing to get excited about with him because he's not playing consistently. Whereas with Jonathan David, he's starting to pick up some consistent minutes.
1: He might get to play consistently because Yuziki uh, suffered an injury in the match. Interesting. Uh, so, if I don't know what how's the severity of that injury, but if Yuziki is hurt. That could pave the way for a potential partnership up top of a Canadian and an American in Liga who might fold because they have nah, no No, no, no. They
3: got their TV deal. They're they're like kind of safe, kind of.
1: They don't have a TV. They deal. got one today. Oh, they got one today. Yes. I didn't even yeah, see yeah. that. Yeah, it was, it was announced
3: today. How much? How much was it? Worth? I don't
1: know. Oh, okay. Well, the last one was worth around a billion. There's so.
3: no way these people are making the same. Horrible decision that Was a Media Pro? Made before Yes, yeah. Media Pro Yeah, so, so the French League For those who, who don't follow the French League It uh, made a massive TV deal with Media Pro For all of its broadcasting uh, I think outside of France Or just in I don't know what the specifics of it were But all that you need to know is Media Pro had to back out of that deal And that was most of the league's funding And so the league was in danger of folding but as of today, they reached a new TV deal. I don't, I think it's just temporary. It's just for the rest of, yeah, it's like Canal Plus, spelled like Canal. But anyway, so.
1: The only thing I see from that is from January 13th, saying Canal Plus to hand back legal rights. If, uh, if I were to bet,
3: because I saw it all over the place on Twitter today, it was only being reported. It was all in French, for the record. You, you guys know Jonathan Tannenwald. Jonathan Tannenwald is a reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer also speaks French, also follows happenings in France and, I believe, the French League. So he was sharing information about that today. Again, those accounts were tweeting in French, so I didn't actually read what the reports were saying. But it would make sense that they were like kind of reports and there's no official news on it yet.
1: Huh. I didn't even see that. That's big for them. Uh, And I just put out an article, uh, shameless plug, uh, talking about what we talked about a couple weeks ago around the walkout. Uh, doing a, as I called it, lockout therapy session, um, which hopefully MLS will be able to capitalize on that sort of TV deal. But Drew, what did you, did you watch the Lille game?
2: I did not. My question was, wasn't Lille like on the verge of going bankrupt.
3: And then we proceeded to answer that question. So that was my question. Um, Lille are on the verge of a special kind of bankrupt Because while the entire league is on the verge of folding Lille is already in tons of financial trouble Outside of the media TV deal So (laughs) there is still the possibility that Lille has lots of issues This also, uh, just to circle it back around to the US and MLS This also affects Reggie Cannon to an extent Because when he joined Boa Vista The the main ownership group or person that owns Lille Also owns Boa Vista and so right. the premise of Cannon going to this horrible Portuguese team was that, you know, he might get into France a little easier, possibly Lille. So I don't really know how that's gonna affect him. Same with Albert Elise, who's also now at Boa Vista with Cannon. I don't know what's gonna happen to those guys. So we'll uh we'll definitely be following that Lille storyline to see what happens. But some other North Americans abroad, Christian Polisic registered his first assist of the season in Chelsea's 2-0 win over Burnley this weekend. He is also possibly taking on a different role under Thomas Tuchel. There's some some reporting out there that Tuchel is looking to sort of transform Pulisic into sort of an attacking midfielder position as opposed to his winger position. So Drew is the other U.S. citizen here. What are your thoughts on possibly changing Pulisic's position from winger to attacking midfielder? Are you talking about from a Chelsea perspective or like seeing that him play
2: that position with the men's national team? Because that's, that's my biggest
3: concern. Yeah, that's the thing. Is it going? Do you think so? Let's say Tuchel does end up tra- like changing his position. What do you like that move for him? Because if he becomes really good at it and that's the strongest position, you know, like you said, what does that do to the national team?
2: Right. I mean, that's I haven't heard that before, but that's interesting. But I mean, I guess it depends on right. Like what formation does the international team play? Do they even play with like an out and out winger? I think just Chelsea play like a 4-3-3 or something like that. I think um, I'm not sure what. When you have like the full, if it was one of those situations where you play Mexico in a World Cup qualifying game tomorrow, who all would you? Who would all be available for that starting lineup? Um, and that tag, But then my question would be, where would you throw Reyna in there? Or I don't. I don't think I like that. Um, but again, I mean, we see all the time, right? Players in their club playing a different position and then players with their national team playing a different position. So I don't I don't think I like that at all. Again, we talked last week about Pulisic just getting playing time at all. And if the case is changing his position, then maybe that's good that he's getting minutes. But then again, I don't know if I would necessarily want him getting minutes at a position that he's not going to play with the men's national team if that comes to happen. So I don't think I'm a fan of that.
3: Personally, if, if- – him playing as an attacking midfielder improves him as a player, then I I don't think it's really going to matter where he is on the field for the U S but on top of that, there's no room for him regardless, unless we go to like a five man midfield, because you've already got Weston McKinney locked in. You've already got Tyler Adams locked in. You've pretty much got Gio Reyna locked in. If Eunice Musa ends up choosing the U S while he's maybe not a lock, He has already proven that he has good chemistry with McKinney and Adams from the fall. So what, you you play a five-man midfield? So I don't don't really know. Likely, what is probably going to happen should Pulisic turn into that number 10 sort of player. I still imagine him playing on the wing for the U.S., but maybe Burhalter takes advantage of that skill set and allows him to move inside and make plays from the middle. So we'll see what happens with that. I think also one thing that we can is that obviously, like you
2: talk about versatility, right? And I mean, injuries are going to happen, right? As you play World Cups, as you play the Olympic, well, not Olympics, but as you play World Cups, as you play World Cup qualifiers, players are going to go down. Players are going to need rest, and maybe having Pulisic playing as this ten role in the best league in the world against really good competition. Might not be the worst thing in the world, so I think it just might add some versatility if a player were to go down or if a player wasn't in form, or maybe he kills it and Berhalter does go to that five-man midfield. Again, I'm a three-five-two enthusiast. That's what I use in FIFA, so maybe Berhalter's on the same page as me. But that's that's interesting. Uh, maybe maybe it's the case
3: for injuries. And then le- and then leave out Brian Reynolds and Strugnino Dest and Reggie Cannon. <laughs> they're
1: now they're now your central defenders. <laughs>
3: Yeah, because defending is, are the things that those guys do best, right? Of, out of defending and attacking. Yeah, it'll work perfectly. It'll work perfectly. You're only saying that because you want Canada to beat the US again.
1: No, why would you say that? There's no truth to that statement. Hey, hey
3: man, I understand. Waiting, you know, 36 years or however long it was is a long time.
1: I'm sorry. We're 30 million compared to 350 million. Give us a bit of a, give us a little bit of time to Come sort on. of Come on, we have like five major
3: sports. Nobody cares about soccer in this country.
1: And so do we. <laughs>
2: what? Where do you think soccer ranks in Canada's major sports? Because I think, because we can have a it's debate. Two, Is Soccer not?
3: fifth or fourth in your opinion, Josh? In the U.S.? Oh, in the U.S.? Oh, it's easily fifth. Okay. Well, and I, I think you can in make our region an I say for sixth because college football. Oh, for sure. It's definitely. No, well, in our region it would at least be fifth because it's definitely better than hockey in here because we, we don't have a presence. team. What do, you, what do you think, Connor?
1: It's you see, that's an interesting discussion because in terms of watching soccer's right at the bottom, uh, like all the other professional sports leagues are above it. But in terms of playing, soccer is the most played sport in Canada.
3: That's how it is here.
1: Uh, so I don't know. It's uh, that's a discussion that has a lot of research that needs to go into it, uh, which. We should jump back to Europeans Abroad before we get into that discussion, because we could do that for half an hour if we wanted. Um, But I want to know, how is Christian Pulisic going to play as a number 10 and a false nine when Timo Werner is playing at striker? And I assume Hakeem Ziyech is currently playing as an attacking midfielder.
3: From what I can see, uh, Ziyech is actually on the wing. These last not couple games with, with Tuchel, but we also you also need to know that Tuchel's been playing them in a th- three four three, and so he's been changing up the 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 um, formation a little bit with Chelsea. But people also seem to think that it's not a, a permanent thing and that this is a temporary, put players in their best positions possible on the field because as we've come to find out, Chelsea bought tons of talent, but that talent doesn't quite fit together with each other yet. No one's found a way. You know, obviously Lampard didn't figure it out and he's gone. So. Tuchel's got to figure that stuff out. I don't know. You you know you have to assume that because Tuchel's German, he knows how to properly communicate with Werner and Kai Havertz as well. They just have an embarrassment of riches. It's not even fair. So, so I'm sure he'll probably figure it out. And again, I don't even know where Pulisic fits in the three four three, or again if that's even gonna be permanent. But moving on to a couple other uh, North Americans abroad. John Brooks also scored a goal uh, this weekend for Wolfsburg in their 3-0 win over SC Freiburg. Did either of you see that goal? Because I did not. Didn't even know what happened. Same. This is one of those goals I was talking about earlier that did not realize <laughs> happened over the weekend. Uh, on the women's side of the game, Kristen Presh scored for Man United in their two-win over Everton. I did see that she scored In in quick glance, did not see the goal. Did either of you see the goal or see your score? It was
2: nothing incredible, just solid finishing, striker's goal. Sweet. What was incredible, and I say this in the most sarcastic way possible, Josh is smiling. So I think he saw it. Dude, it was Rose Lavelle's
3: goal against I actually West believed Ham. You. City. I actually believed you. I, I didn't see the goal. So when you said it was incredible at first, I was like, oh, wow, must have been really good. The,
2: oh <laughs> gosh, the um, West Ham defender literally just dead fish celebrated. While she was defending and had the ball, and Roosevelt was just there, it was like, "Okay, I'll shoot it and scored." So it was not incredible at all. It's just because I was watching the highlight, and then the defender just falls over. So, but Roosevelt did score. So the women's side tearing it up in England, and Abby Kimber uh, got her first full ninety. And speaking of the North Carolina Courage, we forgot to talk about this last week. Naomi Osaka bought the I don't the share of the Courage, the entire North Carolina Courage. um...
1: I assume awesome. it's I assume it's the same sort of thing as Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Steve Nash have with D.C. United, Houston Dynamo, and Vancouver Whitecaps, respectively.
3: Wait, Philadelphia Union for Kevin Durant, not D.C. Philadelphia
1: Union, sorry, not D.C. United. Why did I say D.C. United? Uh, yeah, Philadelphia Union. I assume, because I don't quite think she has the money to buy the entire North Carolina Courage. Russell
3: Wilson in Seattle, too. Oh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. so yeah from looking at it it is just an investment from osaka it's not like a obviously like a controlling portion or anything
1: no it look i think it's good no matter what having that sort of i guess scope um that amount of publicity around the nwsl uh which is tapping in from another sport uh i think it's going to be huge it's getting more eyes on it uh so That's obviously a plus and I assume she'll be pretty involved with them in terms of growing it uh, because I think that would just be a smart business move in terms of using Naomi Osaka's image who is likely the one of the top five women's tennis players on the planet at this point probably around I'm not very familiar with the women's tennis rankings but I'd probably put biased Bianca Andreescu and Serena Williams ahead of her maybe. I don't know. I don't know women's tennis well enough, but yeah, it, I think it's just good getting that sort of image on the North Carolina Courage and on women's soccer.
2: Yeah, that's super exciting. And what was really funny about that, A, another good news, uh, Starbucks just got um, became a sponsor of OL Reign, the Seattle's NBL team. So that's more money coming into the league, which is really exciting. And also, Naomi Osaka has like a clothing brand or like has a fashion side to her. And in the Courage's statement, they specifically said that she will help with the team's design choices, which is interesting because although the sale has incredible kits, the Courage's are very MLS-y, very (laughs) plain white t-shirt. But what is not plain white t-shirt, and we didn't throw this in the outline and we should have, was the Philadelphia Union's new kits. Um, I don't think we should talk a whole lot about it, but... Do
3: you guys like them? Yes or no? Josh, you have your hand up first, so go for it. Just to circle back to Osaka for a second, she has the drip. She is awesome when it comes to fashion. So the f- I didn't know about that, that she might, that she'll have input in the design. So that is super exciting. And I already love most of the NWSL kits. Like obviously compared to MLS, everybody does a good job, but them especially. So for her to, to, to be getting some input on that is exciting to me. And with the North Carolina Courage being the closest team. So maybe I'll become more interested in them. But Philadelphia Union kit. It is the best secondary kit in the league. And it's not even close. Is it their secondary third kit it's or their, third it's kit? Their secondary. They don't. Whoa. Somebody didn't see the news this week. So MLS teams are getting third kits this year. And by MLS teams, I mean the best team in the world from the United States, Atlanta United. You thought I didn't know that? MLS I was Cup teeing teams. you up to go off. Oh, well, I can't did. believe you attacked I, I still me. got it in there.
1: Yeah, I know. I was teeing you up. I just <laughs> threw you. Okay. I just have you an underarm. Now, uh, we'll talk about that in a sec. Okay. Yeah, one, sorry. <laughs> one
3: of the fun parts about this is people did think it was a third kit. That's how different it is. And I think that's an important yeah. thing to note here. Uh, if you haven't, you know, listeners, if you haven't seen the Philadelphia Union's new secondary kit, I strongly encourage you to seek it out as has been covered a lot by the league. I don't think we've really talked about it much on the podcast, but MLS has a horrible track record when it comes to secondary kits, especially they are usually whites, but there are also some that are just black. And so there's really, really plain color palettes across the league as a result. Well, Philadelphia has gone in a completely different direction. They've got this cool baby blue electric yellow looking kit. And my, my favorite part about this is there are none. None, none of these colors really relate to their actual club colors for starters. Second, it's not black or white. Third, it's got a fun template on it like the squiggly lines that squiggly lines kind of makes it sound bad. Just If you see it, it's not, It's not. it's cool looking. And no one else has that template. And then fourth, they somehow tied in the colors and the design of the kit into their city with the whole lightning, electric, Ben Franklin and the key on the kite thing. So like props to Philadelphia Union for stepping in and making an excellent kit, excellent kit, and I hope other teams follow in their footsteps and, and do something similar because the league needs it, man. They need it.
1: Looks sick. Uh, I will give them that. It looks really, really cool. I don't know why MLS can only do secondary or third kits and can never do first kits because I maintain, like, I still think that the Canadian uh, or the TFC Canada Day training top was better than most of their uniforms they've ever had. Uh, and honestly i can't wait to watch them play toronto in potentially this although i don't know what the rules around that will be uh because you can can you do color on color or does mls have a strict color versus white rule
3: you can do color on color if it if it works so for example if toronto is going to wear their red then i think philly can wear either of their kits because there is no red in any of their kits and toronto usually wears the red on red right so yeah. They should be fine.
1: Well, I think I'm going to force Toronto to wear the white kits against Philadelphia just so I get to see the blue ones uh, because I think they look that good. But Drew, what do you think of the kits? How do you think they as look as a style? And do you think they'll look good on the pitch? I'm interested to see the numbers, actually, and what they look like.
2: I'm interested to see what color shorts they wear with them. I assume I have True. not seen if it'll be the same color as the kits. I'm actually like looking at the kits right now, trying to get a refresher on them. Uh, I don't but think I saw say, a picture
3: in a full, in a full uniform.
2: So they did announce, is it like the same color as the kit itself? Uh, I, I'm work? saying
3: I didn't see one. Uh, yeah. I, I think the only pictures they shared were like people wearing like street clothes and then the kit on top.
2: Yeah. So, but I'm a fan of them again. It's, it's one of those things, even if I didn't like it, um, it's just good to see MLS being a little creative which I very much appreciate. Uh, so I'm a big fan of it. I think Elaine, from an and I perspective, our kits are horrendous. I don't know how Josh feels about it, but I'm excited to see the league doing something different. And also I just saw Connor and you were a hundred percent right. Those Canada warm up tops are incredible. So those are sick. So clean. Those I got,
1: awesome. I got one of those. I will wear that shirt over my Jersey instead of a TFC Jersey. Yeah.
3: One other thing I, I, Wanted to add, uh, Drew sort of mentioned it, but I, I, I don't even really like the Philadelphia kit personally. Like, it's not something I would buy on my own as a neutral. However, like he said, it's just great that the league is doing something different. So I, I'm just really excited about that. And I, I hope other other teams, like I said, do, do something similar and hopefully Atlanta United's new kits are, are good. Third kits, Connor, you want to tell... tell the listeners, what's up with third kits this year? Maybe we can discuss this a little bit.
1: Well, I teed you up a couple of seconds ago so that you could hit a home run, and you instead decided to attack me, which, <laughs> you know, granted, it's fair. Uh, That's a home run in but, my book. Yeah, exactly. It's a home run in everybody's book. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Atlanta United are going to be the only MLS team with a third kit this season because nobody else met the threshold for kits sold which is kind of hysterical uh but what do you guys as the two resident atlanta boys what do you think about this news and what do you think the design will look like
2: oh what do i think the design will look like that that's a tough one i'm, I'm thinking it over but as far as the news goes i mean i want i just want more third kits in the first place um i'm a sucker for alternate jerseys really in all sports and i think atlanta as a whole has really cool jerseys um i thought when the falcons changed their jerseys that was a kind of a downgrade but the braves hawks and personally i think united's first jerseys the original five stripes were some of the best in the league i love those so i'm sad i was sad to see those goes but i i want more third kits in the league i'm excited that it's Atlanta, like my hometown club, my favorite club, because the possibility of me buying the kit is a lot higher if it is cool. However, I have seen a leak of, I think it was the new primary kits and it was not good. It was like you got a black shirt and drew like red Sharpie lines on the chest. Um, so I don't have a whole lot of expectations, especially after seeing that as a rumored home kit. Um, I'm excited that Atlanta's getting the only third kit in MLS because again, maybe it'll be cool and maybe that'll push me to buy one because I haven't bought a kit since the first, since the expansion season. So maybe this will be cool. Um, Yeah, I'm excited about it. I hope it kind of kicks off this becoming more of a thing. I want to see more teams have third kits, but I don't have a lot of expectations as far as
3: it looking cool. Uh, Josh, what did you think about Atlanta being the only club to get a third kit? I feel bad for the rest of the league, especially because the reports of third kits being a possibility has been around since back in the spring. Pablo from the athletic first was reporting stuff about that a long time ago. So the fact that Atlanta is the only club getting it one objectively hilarious because people are going to be upset about it Two, sort of sad, but three I'm excited because like you said, I'm well, okay. So first of all, I buy every Atlanta kit. I have every single kit. And I've already made the decision that I'm just going to buy every kit that comes out. The only ones I haven't been able to get my hands on are the Parley kits, unfortunately. And that's because they make a really limited edition, and those things like sell out within minutes here in Atlanta, which makes sense since we've passed the threshold. But another great reason to buy the third kit, um, Atlanta's using all of the profits from that third kit, and they're giving them to the local charities. So I was already probably going to get one to begin with. But then when I read that, I was like, well now I'm definitely getting a third kit because I, I'd love to see them recycling that money back into the community. So really excited about that. I hope like Drew said, I hope it's good. I'm with him. The, the leaked version of our primary kit that's upcoming this year is not looking too hot. Hopefully it is not as horrible as it looks from, from footy headlines, but moving on, the U.S. men's national team played this past weekend. They played on Sunday against really ragtag, scrappy bunch of Trinidad and Tobago players. Players who haven't been playing regular soccer since before COVID. So I felt really bad for them having to do this. But they wanted the game experience. And U.S. was originally going to play Serbia, but they had to back out for whichever reason. But U.S. won 7-0. It was a shellacking. It was never even close. I think they scored in the first... Two minutes, something crazy like that. Got a brace from Paul Ariola, who is officially now with Swansea City. Not yet. Miles. Yes, we're going to talk. He doesn't.
1: He doesn't have the work permit yet, but we'll get into it.
3: That's OK. We'll talk some more about him in our next segment on the transfers abroad. Uh, Miles Robinson scored his first goal for the U.S. Men's National Team. Side note, that morning I thought to myself, wouldn't it be hilarious if Miles Robinson scored a U.S. national team goal before he scored an an MLS goal for Atlanta? And sure enough, that's what he did. He's never scored an MLS goal with Atlanta, but here he is. Nice diving header with the center back assist from Aaron Long. So that's kind of hilarious. And then Jonathan Lewis and Jesus Ferreira also had braces on their own. Drew, I'll ask you first since, again, in the U.S., did you watch the game, and if so, do you have any takeaways from the match? Obviously, there's not a whole lot to take away, especially from a team perspective because of the opponent. But what were your thoughts on the game?
2: Yeah, I did get to watch it. i was good just to see him play a team like you are supposed to beat seven nothing, and I actually beat them seven to nothing. So that was good. Also, good. George Bello got I'm not sure how many minutes but he got his debut on, so that was cool. It was an Atlanta fantasy bat. I mean, you mentioned Jesus Ferrer getting a brace. He also had three assists. So he contributed to five of the seven goals, which was really impressive. I think he's really young. I want to say he's 21 or 20, something like that, with Dallas. So that was exciting just to see a young kid like that playing. I mean, he didn't even play the whole 90. He got like maybe 70 minutes in, and he had two goals and three assists. And I think that's pretty impressive regardless of what team you're playing. He's younger than me.
1: How old uh, is he? He's tw- he's December twenty-fourth, 2000. He's 20. Well, he's born on Christmas Eve he's younger great than me time god i don't like that i'm not used to this yet i'm not like josh i'm not an old man it takes time to get used to these things
2: and he's scoring a bracing and getting three assists and we're talking about him doing it on a podcast on thursday night so yeah i mean that was my biggest takeaway just seeing him play as good as he did um in only 70 minutes or so and miles robinson scoring a goal obviously was good i didn't think it was him when i saw the goal go in um, and then I see him celebrating I'm like, well, that's what a great moment to be an LA United fan. Hasn't come a lot this season, but that was good. Um, so, yeah, that was exciting. I feel like there was still some weird blood between U.S. and Trinidad Tobago <laughs> leading up to this game. Um, but good to see them finally get a 7 nothing win. Um, but moving along to transfers abroad, we just talked about this. Uh yeah, you never
1: asked my thoughts. Oh Come yes. On. Did
2: you did you watch the US beat Trinidad seven to nothing on a Sunday no. night?
3: <laughs> <laughs> and moved on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but the only takeaway I did have was the comments made before the match from a certain manager involving a certain designated player on a certain Toronto FC. Oh
3: yeah, forgot about Josie. Well he didn't get his move, so Yeah.
1: Yet. 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 Potentially basically Greg Berhalter said there are some teams interested in Josie Altidore and he, then there was another report that said he may want out. Um, so that's all I took away from that game because how much can you take away from a Trinidad and Tobago game against the U S national team when Trinidad and Tobago haven't played a game in months?
3: Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Okay. Getting past the whole opponent side of things. It was still an important game for the US from a tactical standpoint. This is still a team that's one, you know, learning Berhalter system, especially all these young guys that got brought on. And two, they need this because these U twenty threes, you know, as of right now, still need to get ready for Olympic tournament this summer. Again, you know, who knows if the tournament's gonna happen. Like Japan, from what I can see, is uh, sort of crazy right now in, in terms of everything surrounding the Olympics. But should it happen, this was great experience for those U23 kids, you know, kids like Bello, Tanner Tessman, you know, Daryl DK getting out there. So there's, you know, there are certainly some benefits. Yeah, you're not playing a quality team and, you know, good for them for destroying a, you know, much lesser team. But at the same time, you know, this is another, you know, this is another notch in the belt for these players playing in Berhalter's system. And that, and if there's one thing that you can't take away from the game, you know, from that perspective, it's that, again, good good for them. They're building on this and they're getting used to the system.
1: And you mentioned somebody whose game it was very important for, and I forgot to consider this, uh, Daryl DK got a cap, which allowed him to get a visa in England to then get his move to Barnsley, which he did. He has joined... Barnsley on a short-term loan with an I believe an option to purchase uh, there are conflicting reports as to how much that option is. some saying it's like 18, 10 million others saying it's around two and a half something in that sphere. Uh, but what do you guys think about this Daryl DK loan which came out of absolutely nowhere
3: yeah super super shocking move I, I mean you one of you put it in a slack and I was like what? Uh, so that's really cool that he was able to get over to England. Now the the I'm more intrigued by the the purchase option because regardless of how much it is, I think the most Barnsley has spent on a player in the last couple of years is like 1.5 or 2 million. So if it's anything higher than that, then there's not really a chance that they're gonna keep him. However, I've already seen, and I'm sure you guys saw it too, but there's lots of speculation that another team oversees might use that purchase option and Barnsley will pay it, but then the team will pay Barnsley for DK. So there's like a, a little workaround for that. So there are some people who seem to think DK's played his last game in MLS, which would be just insane. I mean, you talk about a rise. This is a kid who was in college, got drafted, played for a year with Orlando city has now gotten a cap with the national team and is going overseas. So I'm really excited to see what he does. And I'm excited, you know. Hopefully, he he plays well enough in this little trial run, and and he can get a a move somewhere else. Uh, Drew, do you have any thoughts on DK getting to Barnsley?
2: Yeah, not again. Came out of nowhere. Um, first off, as an Atlanta United fan, I hope I do not have to see him play Mercedes Benz Stadium ever again because he is really good. Um, and you talk yeah, you talked about the rise because I feel like we didn't a year ago. I wouldn't have ever thought we were talking about Daryl DK on a podcast. So, the fact that he rose up in MLS's back tournament, especially with Orlando City's run to the final and now is headed overseas, I think is really cool. It's a really awesome story. It kind of feels like sometimes we forget about the super draft, producing really good players. Um, so, to see this whole journey he's been on from being drafted out of college to now playing in the championship, where I think Barnsley sit 12 out of 24 currently. Um, but I think the biggest thing is I think Americans or just MLS people whenever a player goes overseas there's this automatic assumption that he's going to a better team and no disrespect to barnsley but i'm not i mean i think i i wouldn't mind him seeing seeing him in mls again um i really enjoy he was really good There's a really fun just random run orlando city made to mls's back final and i thought he was a really big part of it so i'm not Usually when I hear of an MLS player going overseas, I just naturally assume, oh, this is good for the league. This is good exposure. But I'm not necessarily convinced that this is this incredible move. Now, again, like you said, there could be another club in the mix um, to purchase him in a really weird Barnsley middleman way. So depending on what that club is, that might change my mind. But I'm not – usually when I see players going to Europe, I'm very excited that, oh, they're going to this incredible, a better league for a better team.
3: But I wasn't too sold on this Barnsley move, really. So – if you're not sold about this Barnsley move, do you feel a similar way about Jordan Morris and Paul Ariola going to Swansea city? I don't,
2: I don't, I think just cause in my head, I associate Swansea city with premier league level soccer. And I think they're, they're chasing for it again. They're looking like they'll be promoted. So I think we'll see Jordan Morris and Paul Ariola in the premier league sooner rather than later. Um, so I have a little different feelings than that. Um, uh, but similar similar trajectory, but just because Morris and Ariola are gonna they're gonna be in the Premier League.
3: So what if I you know what if I were to tell you right now that DK will use this move to get into the Premier League?
2: Well, that yeah, that's the thing, right? It depends on if there's this mystery team coming in and using Barnsley as a middleman. Then that kind of raises another question of who is that mystery team. But if I'm saying if he ends up at Barnsley, I'm not that sold on it. But again, like you said, it's kind of it feels like someone's going to come in and swoop in. And this is going to be a really weird transfer, but he's not going to stay at Barnsley for long.
3: Speaking of some other transfers abroad, we mentioned last podcast that Brian Reynolds move was all but official. It is now officially official. He was announced by both Dallas and Roma. So good for him. another former FC Dallas Academy product, Chris Richards who is currently at Bayern Munich has now been loaned to Hoffenheim for the rest of the Bundesliga season. Richards, uh, his loan move does not have a purchase option. So it sounds like, at least from my perspective, a smart move. Bayern are going to let him play some Bundesliga soccer consistently with another team and just take him right back. So hopefully uh, that he gets a lot of of play time and he avoids injuries and, and he comes back a better player. I'll throw in one more FC Dallas Academy kid, one that also sort of came out of nowhere, at least on my end. And that's FC Dallas Academy center back Justin Che. He was loaned to Bayern Munich for six months. He is only 17 years old. He was part of the FC Dallas contingent of players that went over and trained with Bayern Munich this winter. For those listening and don't know anything about this, Dallas and Bayern Munich have a partnership, club partnership. And you might see club partnerships around MLS with teams abroad, but this is a real partnership because FC Dallas every winter send over a handful of kids to train with Bayern Munich. That's how Chris Richards got over there. He never played a single minute for FC Dallas, single first-team minute. He got over there with Bayern, and now he's got a professional contract with them and has spent some time playing for them. So it looks like Justin Shea is the the next example of that. Um, Connor, got something you want to add to this?
1: Yeah, I just wanted to say, Byron actually view Chris Richards as being a crucial part of their future. Uh, I kind of assume that he's going to be David Alaba's replacement when he leaves. I could see that potentially happening, uh, especially as Boateng continues to get older. Uh, maybe they run a pairing of Sule and Boateng for the next year or two, and then Richards comes in and fills Boateng's shoes. So having him get minutes at Hoffenheim who have developed a really good talent, I think is huge and is going to be crucial for his development. And the fact that FC Dallas are continuing to loan players out to clubs like Bayern Munich, even guys who I've never even heard of is insane. And I think they've brought in this Che kid to play for their U23 team or like minor league system. Um, I guess. I'm not really sure what level he'll play at, but something r- along those lines is sort of what I assume is going to happen. Uh, but again, we'll have to wait and see whether or not that happens. Um, other Bundesliga news, Matthew Hoop is how we're pronouncing it now. Uh, Hope, maybe. How, how I'm, are we pron-
3: I'm, I'm still going to call it Hop. I'm still saying Matthew Hop. Hop. Yeah.
1: Okay, so we're going to call him Matthew Hop. Uh, <laughs> we really should watch a video with Somebody doing commentary on his name, although the English commentators aren't very good at pronouncing names because they called Alfonso Davies Davis for like a year. I I think
3: personally, like it bothers me too, but I think they just, that's just how they pronounce it because they do the same thing with Ben Davies at Spurs. I think it's just how English commentators are. They just can't say the e's. Now, one of the English language broadcasters keeps saying Hoppy, and I'm pretty sure that's not his last name. I'm 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 like of all the ways you can say Matthew Hop's last name, I'm pretty sure Hoppy is like the bottom one. So, it makes a little bit of sense. I, Hoppy. I, I think it's I think I think it, it, it'd be more right to say Hopapa instead of Hoppy. You know, because there's two hop-a-pa. p's and not hop-a-pa. two Please e's. Please tell <laughs> me you
1: didn't just say Hopapa.
3: I did. I said Hopapa. <laughs> but uh... Matthew Hop, as Connor was about to say. He signed a new deal with Shaka. Uh, I can't remember through what year. I want to say 2023 was 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 the end year of that, but it's an extension. His contract was set to run out this summer. There are also rumors slash reports of some bigger clubs interested in him. I sort of have an idea of what the plan is for him, but I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on it first. So, Connor... What do you think about Matthew Hopp signing a new deal with Schalke? Uh,
1: I think Matthew (laughs) Hoppapa signing a new deal with Schalke is interesting. I think he'll get a lot of starting minutes at Schalke, even though I believe they just brought in Huntelar, correct? Yeah. Um, But again, Huntelar is old, so presumably Hoppapa will continue to get minutes. Um, And honestly, I don't hate it. Uh, I think... Having other teams interested is a good sign. It shows that they, other clubs think this isn't just a fluke, that he'll actually be good in the future. But I think he'll get more minutes at a club like Schalke than he would at a club that's bigger like a Bayern Munich who would have to loan him out or play him on a, U, on a U23 team. Now he can get actual Bundesliga minutes, which is against better competition. So... I think the move makes sense. It is a little bit risky, but I don't hate it. Connor, what do you think
3: about Matthew Hoppapov's new deal with Shaka?
1: <laughs> I think he meant to say true there.
3: Usually it's Connor, I think, oh, the one that's giving us my bad. Mix, Yeah, that's... I
1: totally meant true.
3: <laughs> you know, I think that's the first time I've done that. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. It's always me.
3: Wow. <laughs> so Drew, my bad. <laughs> what do you think about Matthew Hopps' new deal with Shocker? Uh, yeah. I thought, cause my wife, I like had a heart attack right
2: before I jumped back on. So I thought my film was lagging. I was like, oh man, this is not going well. So good to know
3: that it was a Josh hey, mistake. Hey, but, hey but, first um, time in 11 months of doing this podcast. So
1: this is episode 45. We're getting close to 52. So we're nice. almost out of year. Yeah. Um, All right. I won't cut you off again, Dream, <laughs> as I cut you off.
2: Yeah. I I, I love it. Yeah. Um, this is a random question. Um, how many games are in a Bundesliga season? And I say this because I think Josh has said this before. But Josh, you are the Schalke fan. It's Thirty-four. 34? So 34. how crazy is it to imagine Matthew Hop dragging Schalke from the claws of relegation? He's shaking his head no. So, but what a great story that would be. Um, I. <laughs>
3: Schalke are in such a low spot that it would be just miraculous if Matthew Hop just dragged them out of the relegation pit.
2: Yeah. It doesn't look too
3: likely because although things seem to be going good, they're still not winning
2: games. Um, so that's unfortunate, but yeah, I like it. Um, he, yeah. I mean, again, like Connor said, he's getting minutes at a solid Bundesliga team. How long that team stays in said Bundesliga remains to be seen. But I'm a fan of it. Uh, he's getting minutes at a big club, and you know, if they do get relegated, maybe I think they'll they have the reputation of staying in the Bundesliga, so maybe they'll spend money to get out of the Bundesliga too. So I'm a fan of it. I think he's going to get minutes at a good team. Um, he's kind of he just came out of nowhere, really. I didn't even know he played for Schalke, and he was a big player. Then all of a sudden, he scores that hat trick, and he's all over um, the American soccer scene. So I'm a big fan of it. Uh, seeing him get consistent minutes um yeah do you have any idea do you have any thoughts from a Schalke fan perspective about Schalke
3: having a new young goal scorer for a little bit longer Josh so I've I've got actually a lot of thoughts kind of all over the place about this as a Schalke fan I, I don't really I don't really have any strong opinion on the on the signing it makes sense to re-sign him from a Schalke perspective because he is your leading goal scorer he has scored like forty percent of your goals this season, which is how many goals is he terrible? terrible. Just to give how many? Oh, five. Boy. So they've only scored like <laughs> twelve goals. What? What is that? Like twelve <laughs> goals? Yeah, it's it's horrible. Hey, they are brutal. They are brutally don't terrible. Don't say this that.
1: Year. FC Cincinnati would be happy with twelve goals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. getting to be FC yeah,
3: Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, but Cincinnati plays in a real league, league of parity and of champions. I, I think, <laughs> figured that would get a bigger reaction to us anyway okay so so here's here's what i think is going on here okay for matthew hop i don't think the move makes a ton of sense if you've got interest from other bigger clubs but what i think is happening is shaka who are also already in ah, the true well you're typing right now (laughs) sorry Make me laugh. Okay, so, uh, all right. So Shaka was already in financial trouble before they got into relegation trouble, and so I have to minimize that window. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Schalke were already in financial trouble. It's a big part of why they sold Weston McKinney to Juventus. Honestly, because McKinney was their best player for the last couple years. And if they wanted to avoid getting relegated, they probably would have kept him. But they needed the money. So what I'm thinking is Schalke have re-signed Hop so that they can then make a profit off of him in the summer. I still think he's going to move in the summer. I still think he's going to go to another club. But I think this is Schalke's way of tying him down and making money off of him. Because obviously it's in that part of his contract where he could have just signed a pre-contract with another club and left on a free. So I think that's that's what I'm expecting to happen. And if Schalke does end up getting relegated, then you bet they're definitely going to sell a bunch of their players to make money. I don't think they have the financial power, like Drew said, to buy players to get back out of the second league in, in Germany. I think they're going to have to do it a different way than, than buying their way back in. With player acquisition, so I could definitely see Hop still getting a move this summer. Worst case scenario, he doesn't score a single goal. He doesn't do a single thing. He looks terrible for the rest of the season and then doesn't get the move. So fingers crossed that doesn't happen. But we'll see. Like I said, Schalke, terrible. Matthew Hop has been a very, very small light for them this season. So we'll see what happens with him. Some other rumors, transfers broad from deadline day on Monday. I guess it was deadline day in what England really was only the main one. But anyway, after recording last Thursday night, we woke up to some fun news on Friday that Aaron Long was being linked to a move to Liverpool. Yes, that Liverpool They have, like, no center backs. They're all injured. They're all hurt, gone for the season, whatever. They're, they're very thin at the center back position. So it made sense for a little bit there. Well, Aaron Long did not end up going to Liverpool. We mentioned last week that Reading was a possibility under former Chicago Fire Manager Vilko Panovich. That didn't happen. And then there was also an unnamed championship club that also apparently came in, wanted Aaron Long. That did not happen. Aaron Long is staying put. In New York, doesn't look like he's going anywhere. So, Drew, I want to ask you first. What do you think about Aaron Long not getting a move to England? Do you think this is going to cause problems for Red Bull? Do you think. Just what, what, what do you think about this, this sort of failed move? And this is not the first time this has happened to him either.
2: Yeah, I think it's kind of a bummer because when you hear a young American link to Liverpool, you just. That gets all your hopes up, right? And to see that it kind of felt like that hope was knocked down brick by brick. It went from Liverpool to Reading to another championship club to not happening at all. So that was disappointing given how I think shocked and excited everyone was that Aaron Long was possibly going to Liverpool. Um, So I was disappointed about that. Uh, Again, I mean, he's a promising young defender. I think Europe has been talked about with Aaron Long's future before given how good he is. Um and Josh giving a weird face, but I'm I, I'm disappointed. Again, I don't know who really to blame. Uh, as we'll talk about in a minute, the Red Bulls are just in this weird transfer mud pile right now. Um, so I'm disappointed to see see Aaron Long not get to Liverpool. So that's what that's what I'm thinking, Josh. I'm, your time to shine.
3: We have to put a pause on this real quick, okay? Oh my gosh. All right, you guys ready? Just, just brace go. yourself for what I'm about to say, this okay? it's
1: not going to be good.
3: FC Cincinnati is reportedly on the verge of signing one PT Martinez. Shut what? up! I kid you not. This is, this seems to be, these reports seem to be breaking right now. Again, so the biggest news tonight is that Cincinnati is in the process of signing a teenager from brazil. I'll go ahead and, and tag this Ooh, down there's there's
1: information what? on that on that transfer. There's actual information yes, yeah, so uh, there's
3: a report. Are you just going to say that Well, I was going to say let's go ahead and table this for let's let's tag it at the end of this. We can talk about the other Brazilian thing i don't, we, should, we should go ahead and knock out these other ones real quick, but we'll talk about it a little bit more in a second, but that is super interesting. Well, I'll go ahead and start putting it in here at the end. Drew, or Connor, sorry. Man, wow. I go this whole time without making a mistake, and here I am. I'm super flustered right now, though, to be fair. Connor, I did want to get your thoughts on Aaron Long and what's up with him and not getting his move.
1: It is another example of New York Red Bull refusing to sell a player to a non-Red Bull-affiliated club. Frankly, that is it. Um, Aaron long is one of this move for three years now and he has yet to get it like, or not three years, three transfer windows and he has yet to get it. So I just, I feel bad for Aaron long. Like he's he wants out. He wants to go to Europe. That's his dream. That's his goal. And New York red bull are holding him back. Like he's had opportunities. Um and I don't see what the negative would be in loading them out for six months when the league might have a lockout. Like it's it's frustrating, it's annoying, it's very, very New York Red Bull. Uh we're seeing it with Kaku happening again as we speak, with Al Tawun uh refusing to or saying that they haven't actually Kaku can't actually join them because they still have his contract because they have a option on it, which they've exercised, which isn't actually technically legitimate through FIFA, but they think it is. And it's getting even more complicated. And now we're having another Kyle in situation. So basically, they're just hoping to get a transfer fee out of Alta Woon. Uh But it's just, it's very annoying. I feel bad for him. Yeah, <laughs> that's basically it.
3: Yeah, I'm with you guys. You know, I, I feel bad that Aaron Long's not getting his move either. Um, like Drew said, you know, there was so much excitement around him for a second. And I i mean, even last year when he was rumored to be going to West Ham, I was really excited about the potential of that. And so you got to feel for him, man. You got to feel that he can't get this move. To be fair, uh, Sam Stage Cool was reporting this, but Red Bull also are – They don't want to let him go because they've gotten rid of his partner and Tim Parker. They've lost a lot of other key members from the back line. And with a new coach in Gerard Struber, he seems to want long as, you know, some form of stability in that club. So I can understand, you know, from especially Struber's perspective, how important it is to keep long. But again, I just feel bad for the guy. He's been so close to moving. And I do wonder if. I really wonder what's going to happen to Red Bull New York, to be honest with you. The way things seem to be handled with that club is it's it's becoming more and more obvious that Red Bull corporate doesn't really care about this club. So definitely, I'm curious to see what happens over you know however, you know, however long it takes for Red Bull to come back into prominence in this league. But moving on, before we get into the Cincinnati craziness, one more big move happened on Monday on that last uh, deadline day. LAFC winger Brian Rodriguez was loaned to UD Almeria. They play in the second division in Spain. So they're in La Liga 2 or second La Liga, whatever it's called. La Liga Segundo, uh, Segunda. $15 to $18 million purchase option. I can't remember the exact number. I sort of pulled that out of my mind. But it's, again, it's a six-month option. So I want to pose two questions to you guys. First, to Connor. Seriously, Connor. I mean Connor. this time. What do you think about Rodriguez's move to a second division team in Spain? And what are your thoughts on all of these six-month loans that we keep seeing from these MLS clubs?
1: Well, he finally gets his move to Europe, which is good. Um, it's, it's an interesting situation because LAFC are putting themselves at a bit of a disadvantage because while it frees up the DP slot for six months or however long the loan is, it doesn't allow them to bring a DP in because what happens if they don't exercise the loan option? So I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what this is going to mean for LAFC. I don't know what this is going to mean for Brian Rodriguez. I don't know if they'll keep him. Uh, I I just don't know. There are so many uncertainties. I think the six-month loans are smart from MLS because we don't know when they're going to start because the owners are threatening a lockout. Uh, which we'll dive into in a second. But it's, it's an unfortunate situation that these loans have to happen and that these precautions have to be taken, but it makes some sense. And I think watching Brian Rodriguez in a league like the second Spanish division is going to be very interesting. And hopefully he succeeds and hopefully they take that purchase option because he hasn't been a huge success or as huge a success as people sort of thought he would be when he came. Uh, But Drew, do you have any thoughts on Brian Rodriguez going to UD Almera Almeria? Yeah. I mean, I think
2: it's again, I think you bring a really good point with the six month loan thing, given the uncertainty around MLS right now, it sucks, but I understand it. But I also kind of going back to Kaku with New York Red Bulls, this feels Because we see this all the time, it feels like teams get in the way of players' transfers. And with these six-month loans, it feels like it's more in the hands of the player. It's almost like a six-month tryout. Now, again, teams can kind of still step in and change those things. But I would rather see a situation like this, where a player goes somewhere for six months rather than an Aaron Long situation, where it doesn't feel like the team's going to let him move to Europe. Um, So the six-month thing sucks uh, because, like you said, MLS is in a weird spot right now. But it feels like you're, the players are at least getting a chance, That it's more so in the hands of the players when they get these six-month tryouts as opposed to teams not letting players go to Europe whenever they want to. So I'm a big fan of it. That purchase option is a lot. Um, I don't know the whole profit margin, how much money they're going to make, but $15 million for that guy, I'm sold on it. So I'm a big fan of it. Um,
3: we'll see where it goes from here. Josh, do you have any thoughts about Rodriguez being loaned? I am surprised that he's not going to, you know, sort of bigger team. Uh, And especially between him and Diego Rossi, like it feels like Rossi should have been gone by now with how long he's been at LAFC and how well he's done in MLS. I, I really feel like he should have been transferred by now because it seems like he wants to go to Europe, but without getting too much into that, Brian Rodriguez, I feel like is sort of touted a little more than Rossi. Like Rodriguez has more caps for the Uruguayan first, uh, First team, national team, whereas Rossi like barely gets called into camp compared to Rodriguez. So I am a little surprised that you know he's not going to a bigger team. I'd have to look. I don't know if Almeria are in the running for promotion. They're third, I think. Okay. So yeah, yeah, they're definitely in third, and they are only three points behind Mallorca in first, and they're tied with Espanyol with forty five points. So that's big, you know. Maybe he does end up getting into La Liga and then making that move somewhere else to a bigger club, maybe in Spain or somewhere else in Europe. So definitely going to be interesting. Maybe he's like DK, where some people think he might not even be back to MLS um, at the end of the day, regardless of a lockout or not. But moving on to what has clearly been the biggest news of the day uh, before we we get into some more CBA negotiations and some uh, ccl changes as well that came down today cincinnati making some splashes we just mentioned pt martinez the the, the biggest uh sort of bomb to drop but the first big thing was brazilian winger slash midfielder brenner uh, i forget which team he's currently with uh, off the top of my head but he was sao close Paolo. to moving i think he's sao with sao paulo yeah okay he was close to moving to Europe, I believe it was last summer, and the, the rumor there was uh, for about $18 million. Cincinnati probably will not be spending that much, but the fact that they're going after a 20-year-old Brazilian winger, clearly a big deal no matter which MLS team it is, but especially for Cincinnati, who have been the worst team in the league over the last two years, both years really. So huge for them to pick up Brenner. I think even bigger for them to go after Brenner and P.T., PT did not play very well for Atlanta. I don't think that really worked out. However, I appreciate Cincinnati's ambition, although it's not going to work for them, in my opinion. But I want to hear your guys' thoughts on these moves that Cincinnati is making and sort of what you guys think about this crazy situation.
1: I hope it works. I want it to work. Uh, This Brenner transfer is going to be off the charts for them. Uh, the reported fee is like, uh, I'm pulling up the tweet now, from uh, Marcelo Hazan. Uh, apologies if I said that incorrectly. He is from, where is he from? Globo? Gay Globo? I guess? I don't know. He's got a, like 72,000 Twitter followers, so he's fairly, he's not terrible. Uh, but the belief is it is... $13 million uh, as a transfer fee, $2 million if he scores 10 goals, and Sao Paulo FC maintains 20% uh, surplus in a future sale. Uh, over $13 million is part of it, and it's a five-year contract. So that is a massive, massive transfer to get somebody who's that highly touted, uh, and it is quite expensive, it's hilarious that Pity Martinez is already coming back to MLS uh, after departing Atlanta like less than six months ago, but this entire situation is mental.
3: Another fun aspect to this is Cincinnati has to purchase the top allocation spot from Austin FC because PT was a DP in this league, so for them to bring him back now. It is now being confirmed from a couple other reporters that PT's coming in, so this looks even more legit than it did before. So that is super crazy. Although, I mean, to, we do we should remember that P, uh, Cincinnati was trying to go for Papu Gomez, uh, who most recently starred for Atalanta and is now in Spain. But Drew, what do you think about Cincinnati making these huge moves for these South American players? Yeah, it's exciting
2: because... I think you said it, Josh. It's just exciting to see them actually trying and spending money on young attacking players. Um, Pity Martinez is going to light up the league. He's going to be the player everyone expected him to be, and he's going to tear it up because that's just how it works. So he'll come in, uh, he'll tear it up with Cincinnati. Um,
3: yeah, I'm excited about it. One of my uh, friends, as this news is breaking, my my little friend group is freaking out about it too, and one of my friends, one of my roommates, already said, this means PT is going to score a free kick against us,
2: doesn't it? <laughs> Don't so, you heard
3: it from him first, my friend Michael. <laughs> he's He says that PT is going to score a free kick against Atlanta, and I totally believe him. And you know what? It's probably going to happen in Mercedes-Benz, and it's probably going to happen in front of people, and you know he's going to let us know about it. So that's going to hurt. It's going to hurt real bad. Staying on the MLS track, though, the biggest news outside of all these transfers is the fact that the players and league still have not agreed to a CBA extension. We covered this last week. There was a deadline last Thursday night at midnight that was then extended until tonight at midnight, which was then extended again another 24 hours. However, last week after MLS decided to extend it a week, they went ahead and said, if we don't agree to a new deal within a week, we're going to lock the players out. Personally, I am terrified that the league went ahead and threatened lockout like very plainly said we're going to lock the players out. I don't like that. I don't necessarily means that there will be a lockout and obviously the fact that there's another extension placed on these talks is probably a good sign, it probably means sides are getting closer. One thing that bothered me, though, in MLS's statement that they released, they said the phrase, we are still far apart on certain issues. That is the same exact wording that was used in last week's week-long extension. So I don't know if they're talking about the same issue or same issues, but I don't like that that phrase was being mentioned once again. Personally, I'm still not feeling great about the league and players is coming to an agreement in the next, what is it now? 25 and a half hours. So I guess we'll, we'll obviously see what happens with that. But I wanted to get your guys's thought uh, drew go with you first. Do you think we're going to get this lockout? Do you think they're going to agree to a deal? What give, give us some of your just general thoughts on this.
2: Yeah. First off, it's just annoying that we're still having to wait and they push the deadline back again to February 5th on midnight as Dexter Fowler decides to deal with the Angels as I look on my phone, so that's a little bit of fun baseball news for you. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited. Not, not, no, I'm not excited about this. Um, it's just annoying that we're having to wait for this again. Um, the statement I'm looking at uh, includes remains apart on some key issues. Discussions this week have been productive and we have made progress, which is interesting to put right after you say – you remain apart on some key issues and after it came out pretty plainly that you were threatening a lockout. Um so this feels weird that they're trying to just cover their tracks that we're so far apart we threatened a lockout. But we made progress. Um how much progress remains to be seen? So I don't I I'm not that pessimistic that we'll have a lockout. I think this will get done. will it get done by February fifth? I don't know. Uh because Maybe they push the deadline back again, which would be very MLS-y to do. Um, so I'm not on the lockout stage yet. Although it's just confusing that it feels like MLS is trying to cover its tracks with this really conflicting message of we made progress, but we're still really far apart. We threatened a lockout, so I'm not I, I'm not at a lockout stage yet. But I could very well see this deadline getting pushed back again. Um, As you said, it's about 25 hours away right now as we're recording this. So maybe by the time it gets published, uh, another extension will happen. Um, But yeah, I'm not at a lockout stage yet, but I'm definitely not feeling too good just because this messaging is really confusing to me. Uh, Connor, what did you thought about MLS pushing this deadline back and everything that's going on with this potential lockout and all these negotiations?
1: It's interesting. Very, very interesting. And what I find most interesting... Is the fact that we've heard absolutely no information from either sides about what the issues in the negotiation are, where they're at in the negotiation, or really anything. Neither side is leaking anything to the media. And I think that is incredibly notable because why are they not leaking anything? the players have the public's backing i'd say i'd say a majority of the public and fans backing is the players especially considering the nhlpa the mlbpa the nba pa the nfl pa the lacrosse pa the rugby pa uh, the referees pa and the NWSL's PA and the WNBA PA have all tweeted support backing the MLS PA. So that is all of a sudden, all of those Twitter followers seeing that the MLS is threatening a lockout on the players in the middle of a pandemic. Now, obviously I mentioned this earlier. I wrote an article, uh, about the therapy session or having a therapy session in terms of why this won't be a lockout. And I think my thoughts sort of are encompassed more there. So if you want to go and read that, feel free. Um, But sort of a quick summary, I don't like, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. The TV deal is expiring next off season. And the last thing anybody wants is for MLS to have a lockout to show the league, look, we have absolutely no labor security and there is nothing that we can do to potentially not have a lockout and the league will continue to threaten a lockout. So while I think it is scary, the potential of a lockout, I'm not worried because I think they will figure this out because it benefits absolutely nobody to lockout this season. But again... Who knows? MLS is stupid sometimes. FC Cincinnati are bringing Pity Martinez back to MLS after six months. We never know what's going to happen. So, I'd say just expect anything, honestly, at this point. Because, frankly, we don't know what is going to happen. Just like we didn't know what was going to happen when the CCL announced massive changes today. Josh, why don't you take us through all of those changes and everything in that it's going to affect in terms of the Champions League?
3: Yeah, so this is some kind of major news, I guess, that dropped today, and it honestly didn't make a big splash, surprisingly, but CCL is going to undergo a pretty big overhaul of the tournament formats, and it's taking effect in twenty twenty three, so we're still a little ways away from from that happening. That being said, big changes, like I said, going from sixteen teams now to fifty. So not even doubling, you're pretty you're over tripling the size of the tournament, which have some thoughts on, which we can touch on in a little bit. Canadian teams can now qualify for CCL via MLS, which I'm sure Connor has some thoughts on. Before, it was just through the Canadian Cup, and there was only one slot for Canadian teams. It is now up to three. This I do like. You get two from CPL and one from the Canadian Championship, so it looks like we'll be seeing a lot of Canadian teams in CCL going forward because it's those three Canada spots plus whichever Canadian MLS teams qualify via other ways. Uh, Unfortunately, though, USL clubs... The only way they can get in the CCL is still through winning U.S. Open Cup, which will likely never happen. Leagues Cup, yeah. Leagues Cup, which was a thing once. Two summers ago, technically, back in the summer of 2019. Uh, That will also be a qualifier. Side note, I like the potential of Leagues Cup to be like a Europa League version for North America so I do hope it eventually becomes that even though right now it is very cash grabby although I guess everything is cash, cash grabby to be honest but anyway League's Cup is going to be a way for teams to get in as well so another, uh, another formatting thing there will be four groups of five for the North American teams so Canada, US and Mexico and four groups of five for the Central American teams and two groups of five for the Caribbean teams so it's not even like a regular group stage. It's like a regional group stage, which is also sort of an interesting thing to me. Before I, I give you guys the floor, I have two main thoughts about this. One, I sincerely hope that this major expansion doesn't, doesn't uh, oversaturate the tournament. I think there's not really a lot of interest right now when there's only 16 teams, and I don't know how tripling the amount of teams is going to help that. Hopefully it does, of course. I I would love for CCL to be a much bigger deal. Maybe not as big a deal as UEFA Champions League is, but I want it to be closer to that than it is currently. The other thing, and I think this sort of ties in with that first thought, is if CCL, if CONCACAF wants CCL to be a big deal, they need to start paying more money to these teams. That's why Champions League in Europe is such a huge deal. You win a ton of money for advancing. Hopefully, hopefully ccl can start injecting some more money i don't know if that's through sponsors or whatever the deal is obviously that's you know thankfully this tournament changes are a couple years out and so hopefully by then the pandemic isn't having such a huge uh, financial effect on people in general but especially uh, you know soccer clubs and these confederations so i'm hoping they really up the incentive for teams to compete in these things so That's sort of my thoughts. I'll open the floor to you guys, sort of give us your thoughts on CCL, starting
1: with Connor. I just want to jump back a second to the FC Cincinnati stuff and say, not a good look from FC Cincinnati announcing potentially over $20 million in transfers as you're negotiating CBA with the players to try to get more money. But... Uh,
3: Wait, I don't know if it was mentioned by any of the three of us, but a lot of a lot of reporters are starting to hint that there's a handful of MLS owners that realize it would be cheaper for them to lock out the players than to have a season and therefore are saving themselves financially. I don't know if we touched on that. That's a pretty, pretty sinister um, motive. And I, I, wouldn't be surprised at all if that was the case, and will hopefully that's not the case. I, I would like to believe that that's not a real reason for these owners, but I wouldn't put it past them. But anyway, CCL thoughts, Connor. Let's hear it.
1: Yeah, we didn't mention that, but I, this is going to come to a, as a shocker to a lot of people, and you know this is a real step outside of what I normally say. But I love this from the Champions League because I want more Canadians involved, and they finally listened to the Canadians saying, "Why the hell do we only get one?" team qualifying for Champions League and why can't any of the MLS teams qualify for Champions League through MLS and they finally listened to us so thank you to them and thank you to specifically uh, Montagliani because you actually listened to us as opposed to MLS Um, which you know feels good for once Uh, I'm glad that two CPL teams are going to get in I think that's really big Uh, I think having that like I think Forge did really well. I think it was Forge did really well this year. They almost made it uh, through the little league section they had. Um, But yeah, it's unfortunate that the only way USL clubs are going to be able to qualify is through the US Open Cup. But at the same time, it is the USL. And I understand it's a league below, but the US already has a ton of representation. And unfortunately, it does have to stop somewhere in terms of letting clubs in I'm also worried about the oversaturation Josh I think that could be a big issue um, considering that they're upping it from 16 teams to 50 but who knows maybe that's successful you look at the European Champions League and they have a ton of teams as well so who knows how that entire thing will work but I think this is a positive move I think it's a move in the right direction for MLS And, honestly, I think it's good to see actual positive change from Champions League and everything that that entails. But, Drew, what do you think about the Champions League changes?
2: Yeah, I am on the same boat as you, Connor. It's good to see more Canadian teams get a crack at it. However, expanding from 16 to 50, I just am afraid... That you're gonna have some ridiculously lopsided games. Um, I'm not sure how exactly it would work, but just like play this game with me. Is there a possibility that say a Forge or I think Pacific as a CPL team could go up against a T Grace or something like that? Like MLS teams came and beat those teams. So like, I'm just afraid you're gonna see these thirteen nothing US women's national team, Thailand type beatdowns in the Champions League. But I think that's kind of a growing pain that Champions League going to have to go through as more teams get a crack at it and they see that they are very far behind. Some of these standards other teams have, maybe that inspires them and incentivizes spending more money. But I'm just afraid that you're going to have a lot of beatdowns early on in this competition. Now, as it gets down lower, I think it's going to be really competitive. I think you'll have some underdog stories. That's always exciting. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think the Canadian thing is the biggest thing. And Connor, we have know you've complained. You've had your fair share of complaints about that throughout the podcast. So that's exciting to finally see that change. But I'm just nervous that it's going to be some beatdowns when you're having 50 teams competing for this trophy. And some teams are spinning through the roof on these players. And some of these teams are Canadian Premier League teams. So that's a little bit of a worry for me. Um, but besides that, I mean, good to see more expansion. Good to see. More teams getting crack at. I don't know if I would have gone to fifty, but good to see the competition getting bigger. Hopefully, like Josh had comparing it to UEFA Champions League. I like this whole group stage thing they got going on. I think that'll create some interesting upsets about it. Leagues Cup is really interesting because I think we forgot about League's Cup. I know I forgot about League's Cup because it felt like it was forever ago. Um so hopefully that'll be a bigger deal about that. But my general thought is, like I think we've talked about all three of us, excited to see more Canadian teams get a crack at it, but going to 50 teams, I think we're going to see some really massive growing pains through all this, and I think we're going to see some beatdowns in the Champions League, but I think that might might just have to be something we have to go through as we expand in this Champions League. Do you guys have any other thoughts about this or be ready to close up shop for the episode or any other additional thoughts?
1: I think... it's really interesting with Champions League and people are starting to call out Cincinnati now online for spending probably upwards of 20 million on two players uh, as the league is threatening a lockout. But eh, it's again, it's interesting just watching this entire situation. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's going to be something that we're going to need to watch. And I don't know if anything like do you, either of you have anything you want to add before I throw in a final little tidbit about a potential partnership
3: the only thing i will say about ccl is i cannot wait to see a cpl team go up against a Liga mx team i don't even know if that will end up being possible or if it will end up happening because of the convoluted process of going from 50 teams to a knockout round blah 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 blah. but boy when it does happen it's gonna be really fun
1: it's gonna be really fun when a pacific uh pacific managed to beat or was it pacific might not have been pacific Who was it? I can't remember. Doesn't matter. It's going to be really funny when a CPL team beats Atlanta and I can make fun of you guys endlessly for ever and ever and hold that over your head. But who knows if we'll still be doing the podcast at that point because this is three years down the line. Uh, um, But final little tip of the news and this sort of broke today. I believe it was Paul Tanorio who tweeted this out, but potentially LAFC and Las Vegas, the ucl team, ucl usl team (laughs) not quite at the ucl level yet uh might be partnering uh so that vegas would be i guess the sort of second division side for lafc and be a bit of an academy team sort of thing uh but yeah either of you have anything you want to add
3: Actually, yes. Specifically about the Las Vegas Lights partnership, this is actually a huge deal, and I'm not sure people realize it, but when an MLS expansion team comes into the league, one of their main objectives to to get running is to start an academy. And there's two ways you can approach starting an academy as a new team. You can be like Atlanta United and you can absorb local academies and then start recruiting new players, or You can start from the ground up, like LAFC. They started with U12s, something, some like low number like that. It might have been like U15s. But now, after three years and being in the league, those kids are going to start coming through. They're going to start vying for first team minutes. And because the first team is so stacked, they obviously need somewhere to go to get experience against other professional players. So I think partnering with the Las Vegas Lights is a Very good move for LAFC. And I think they're going to start reaping those rewards and people might need to be on the lookout for that.
1: Drew, do you have anything you want to add before I drop one more tidbit of news, which I find absolutely hysterical?
2: Uh, Yeah, I'm excited about it. I think Josh brings up a good point, building partnerships with MLS clubs. Uh, Vegas is like the coolest USL team ever. I can't believe they don't have an MLS team right now, to be honest with you. I think that's another spot for expansion but yeah not a lot of thoughts it's good um hopefully they'll create a pipeline from usl to mls and giving young players good minutes so not a whole lot of thoughts on it
1: all right my final little tidbit of news is according to at reporting mls also known as their whole thing is mls news from two hours ago a source has told me that mls and the MLSPA have reached an agreement on the new cba and that it will be officially announced tomorrow
3: okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Th- thanks uh thanks anonymous <laughs> <At> <laughs>
1: Twitter MLS, mls news <laughs> so shout out that guy um but oh it's fingers crossed we have an agreement tomorrow fingers crossed this pity news is actually correct and we could just have that absolute chaos that would ensue from that but without further ado drew take us out
2: yeah thanks guys so much for listening to another episode as we talk about transfers abroad americans going all over the place mls players going all over the place um, really appreciate your listening. And like Connor talked about his story, uh, please go visit his story at MLSMultiplex.com as well as other really awesome stories about from our writers about MLS in the off season. Our team of writers are carrying out really awesome stories. So please, please go visit MLSMultiplex.com. Uh, you can see those stories when they're posted on social media at MLS Multiplex on Twitter. And you can find us on Twitter, myself at underscore Drew Hubbard, Connor at CWG Somerville, and Josh at Josh underscore Boland. So as we write stories, as news breaks, be sure to follow it on social media to get news as it happens. So, again, thank you guys so much for listening, and please leave a review on the podcast in the comments section uh, wherever you listen to we to We really appreciate hearing feedback from you guys, and we really love hearing how we can get better and ways we can improve So thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you all next week for another episode talking about all the craziness of MLS.
1: Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. Check out all of the contributors written work at mlsmultiplex.com.